Welcome to Called, a podcast where we explore the intersection of ministry and the rest of our lives as church workers. I'm Bill Smoots. And I'm Sarah Bariza. Join us on the first and third Tuesdays as we talk about cutting out the BS and embracing the good in ministry. And today, we are really cutting out the BS because we're talking about families in church, specifically our families, your families, how the families of church workers interact with basically our jobs, our ministries. Between the two of us, we have ministered in churches for over 50 years. Uh, we say we haven't burned out yet and, and always but emphasize the yet. it's a struggle sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a day-to-day, it's a day-to-day uh, piece here. I think, I think we're both feeling a little bit up to here of like, oh, there's, there's a lot going on. Yeah, it's fall and the most wonderful time of the year is coming. I have uh, pastored uh, mostly in Presbyterian churches, though as I've moved into interim transitional work the last five, six years, it's been United Church of Christ congregations, large churches, small churches, urban, rural, kind of all over the place. And I have been a church musician for about 20 years. Basically, if they pay me, I'll come and play. Uh, If they hire organists, I've been there. And currently work also in a UCC congregation. And I think that because we work in different different areas of the church, I've, I've worked as a church musician, Bill has worked as a pastor, we have very different experiences of what it means to have a family in the church. Also, I'm a woman, Bill is a man, there's different expectations for spouses, um, I think that are super gendered. And also big generational differences here. Um, I'm in my early 30s, Bill's in his 50s, and we just... Hey, I'm almost 60. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> we're cutting Happy out the birthday. BS. <laughs> we're, we're coming up in different times with different different expectations around our families. And to start out, let's let's talk about like on the our personal views on family, whether should family be in the church at all in the churches where we work? And again, here we have different viewpoints. You want to start out like like what's the story like was your family in the churches your, your kids are grown up but like yes, was yes. your family in church the church where you ministered yes they they were i got i got to start off with a, a owning up to something i mean this is this is a fairly dark topic for me my my experience of a family in the churches i've served has there's been wonderful moments and there's been and that's been punctuated by a lot of horrible moments and the horrible moments are are burned pretty deeply into my psyche and into the psyche of my family and and so i want to be honest about that i i wouldn't say it was a package deal when when i would be called to to a church, but they always loved the fact that a pastor had a, a spouse, uh, in this case a wife, because there could be more traditional expectations, perhaps, and they loved kids. Uh, and, and I think a lot of congregations assume that if a pastor has children, they will attract more children to the mm-hmm. Sunday school. Oh, they're going to be really relatable. Yeah. Yes, yes, and they'll bring in lots of young people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we won 30 years of experience, but we'll take five because... Um, you got a baby. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a baby. <laughs> We'll get young children, and then they still eat the person up or eat their family up because they really wanted the 30 years of experience. Yeah. So your family was was in church, and now now though your kids are grown and you're an in interim, so things are a little bit different. Correct. When 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 we moved back to St. Louis several years ago, uh, my wife said, you know, one of the things I've never been able to do in the churches you've served because it's a a significant boundary issue is serve in church leadership in the Presbyterian Church. That's serving on the session, the the body that runs the church. And she said, I think I want to go back to the the home church where we met and and where I'd grown up. 
up and where we were married and taught all Sunday school and did youth group, all those things together and, and see if I can be part of leadership. And uh, pretty quickly they identified, hey, here's somebody who knows her stuff. And they got her on the leadership board and she has enjoyed doing that. And, and I think that's been life giving for her to have that. Um, this is selfish. What I've missed in that is, is, uh, having honest feedback. Uh, cause, cause my wife's always been the one to provide me the most honest feedback on, you know, uh, how worship service went, how a sermon went, how, uh, a program in the church is going or how things are perceived. And I miss that. Um, I, it's survivable, certainly, but I miss it. And it's honest feedback that you can't get from another staff person, not just because of power dynamics, but because those staff people are involved in the worship service in a way that someone who's like in a pew isn't. Right. Just like we were right. talking in our last episode on flow and movement, you need to talk with multiple people because they're, they have different vantage points in the service. Well, she has her own vantage point, not running around doing things. Hopefully. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, so, so, you know, the family, it, it, in many ways, it was a package deal. And we tried to limit that. Uh, we tried to blunt that. When I was an associate pastor and seeking to move to a, a church on my own, there was one particular interview. We were at a interviewing with a committee for a church in a small town out in the middle of Illinois. And, and they didn't even want to meet in the town because they were afraid people would, would see us and know they were interviewing people for the position. Oh, boy. So, so we met at a hotel in another town, maybe 50 miles away, and had dinner and, and, and talked. And, and we had dinner, and then the formal interview was going to happen afterwards. And my wife was a long, well, they wanted to meet the two of us, but we also had to bring our then um, three-month-old. Our oh youngest was, was three months old and, and um, mom was still the food source and things like that. So we needed to come along. That's a lot, yeah. And, and when it came time for the interview, um, they said, well, we'll just move over here and we can interview. And Gina said, okay, I'm going to leave now and take the baby and, and, and take care of him. They said, well, you're not staying for the interview, you know, shock and surprise. And, and she said, no, you're, you're not hiring me. You're hiring him and left. Good and, boundaries, Gina. Oh, yay for her. And, and they were just stunned and, 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 you know, questioned me. Well, aren't you going to try and keep her? And I said, no, this, she's completely right. This is a conversation between the two of us. Shock and surprise. I did not go to that church. No, right? What? Yeah. What? Boundaries? <laughs> so my family experience is quite a bit different. I am married to a man and I have a three-year-old uh, child, my son. And my husband is Catholic. And while I have worked in Protestant services that he um, that he attended, especially, um, I think, of a Lutheran church and a, and a um Episcopal Church where I worked. So he attended those. I now work in a, a sphere of Protestantism where he's like, oh, this is not really where I want to worship every Sunday. Totally, totally fine. So when he is not working, because oh my God, he works all the time. He's a medical resident. Um, but on the occasional Sunday when he's not working, he and my son go to a different church. And on the other Sundays, my son, you know, who is three, who is not able to just sit by himself in a service, <laughs> he goes to church with grandma and grandpa, which is amazing because how lucky am I to have that kind of family support. But it means that my son gets to be three different churches because he also ends up at church with me here at the UCC church where I work. And it's an interesting kind of experience because it means he has like three different faith formation kind of 
elements in his life. He has three very different kinds of services. I mean, they all have organ, uh, because that's the kind of family we are. Uh, <laughs> sorry. But it's it's just a really different kind of thing for him. He gets to meet three different groups of children. And I honestly don't know how that's going to work out in the future. It may be that we really try to limit him to one church as he grows older, not because we have a problem with him being in so many churches, but because at a certain point, kids really want to see the same people and form deeper friendships than they do at age three. So, well, you know, that's something that we're going to negotiate. What I haven't experienced is really anything of an expectation that my family be at the church where I'm employed. I've experienced a lot of joy that my family has attended churches where I've been employed, just like, oh my goodness, we got an extra tenor for free. And oh, this cute chubby baby. And like, just, oh, wow, this is so awesome. But I never feel, I have, and I've never felt that my family had to be at the church where I was working. I, I think some of that's generational. Some of that it's because I'm not the pastor. I'm the musician. And some of that also is because I'm a woman and my husband is kind of expected to have his own thing. And when I just go like, oh, and he's Catholic, they're like, oh, well, clearly we're not Catholic. So it's not even really a conversation. It's like, oh, we're so delighted when he's here. So that's a really different, different expectation on me as an employee. And it's a, I think a different way that my son is going to grow up in the church because he is never going to be the preacher's kid. And while as the child of a staff person, he may have some burden placed on him, it's not the same kind of burden that could be placed and is often placed on pastor's kids. Same with same with my husband. He doesn't, you know, I, I don't think people would necessarily even care if he was atheist or something. It'd be like, oh, sure, whatever. Like that's your that's your husband, and there's not it wouldn't be a burden on him. No, I I don't think it would be, and and shouldn't be. Oh yeah, I don't think there should be a burden on any of this. But I'm I'm kind of saying here's how it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's how it is as I'm experiencing it. I, the one thing I can say that that has been a positive. Um, I was ordained in 1987, and by that by that time, a lot of the expectation that the pastor's wife, because there still weren't a lot of women being ordained at that point, would be would would play the piano and and lead the Sunday school and and the children singing. Yep, that that, that had, piano right yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. That had really passed, but not in the conservative Baptist well, churches that I grew uh, up in. Because oh my goodness, if the pastor's wife played piano, I even knew people in college. So I went to a very conservative college who'd be like, well, you know, when I'm taking piano lessons so I can learn to be a good pastor's wife. Oh, oh my gosh. Those precious people. My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but there there were those expectations even in the generation before. Mm-hmm. And oh, and yeah. and mercifully those were were moving on and people were letting go. But the expectation was still that that your your family will be present. There and was And hopefully well mannered. Well, there, I, I, was, I was just going to say and there was yeah. there was an expectation of of almost perfection. Mm-hmm. Um when when I went to the first church I served by my I served as a, a solo pastor. Um, in Racine, Wisconsin, the boys were five, seven, and or seven, five, and eighteen months. So this prime, well-mannered age. Right, right, and and every eighteen-month-old I've met that had a pastor for a father was 
perfectly and, and they were they were busy <laughs> little boys and we were happy with that but but the in this congregation the older women in particular were brutal they, they would sit you know in the pews on a Sunday morning in this loud stage whisper you know talk about how they wish that woman could control her children and <gasps> um, and, and these were lovely oh, people in so many ways but then you put them in this setting and and they expected this is the what kids I say to my son people can make good choices and bad, bad choices. choices well they yep, were making, they were bad, making choices, bad ones. <laughs> and it wasn't the kids making the bad choices. Yeah, no. They were being who they were. But but there was this expectation that they were present, but then this this slamming or shaming uh, that they weren't present in the way uh, that perfectly that, polished. Yeah, yeah, um. and um, and sadly that that really didn't change any as as the boys got through high school or even into college. You mm-hmm. know, they'd be they'd be in college and and might be home for a weekend. Well, why didn't they come to church? Well, mm. uh, why would they want to? Yeah. Uh, also they're an adult. Yeah, they they, <laughs> they make their no choice. And and we had to empower them to make choices. I, I remember their our youngest was was dating a, a young woman in the church. That's a whole nother oh boy. area. So we're gonna have an old uh, episode on this we need to get his uh, permission here. And, and and but this this lovely family they they kept saying you don't expect him to be at church on Sunday and we said you know he is he is 16 he is old enough to be making his own choices about this and and he's here a lot but but sometimes he's not and they couldn't get over the fact that we weren't forcing him mm-hmm. to be present because they thought that you should or because they thought all pastors would have that perspective. Yes. It was certainly a pastor thing, but it was also a parental thing. Mm. Um, that 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 was how they were going to raise their kids, mm-hmm. uh, though yeah. I don't think that worked out for them. But there was that expectation uh, that, that, you know, if you were a strong parent, you would, your children would be doing what you expected them to be doing. Now, I'm clearly on the young end of this. I have a three-year-old and I just have one child. And I basically completely control his schedule at this point because he's three. Enjoy it. I know, right? <laughs> so, it seems like a lot of work so, now. So but. I guess I want, I want to clarify. That, um, can we talk about sleep and lack of rest? It's the world's worst. The worst, worst, Yeah, but, worst. When, but when they have a car and they're out somewhere oh, and, and you're, you're like, not sleeping, it's pregnant, a different please, kind God. of sleep loss. Uh, okay, so, so I, I want to say that because I don't want to come across as like, well, I have it all figured out. And when I, you know, 10 years from now, it will be perfect. So as I'm looking ahead, though, I'm thinking, well, worship on a weekly basis is important for me and for my husband, and that's something that we want to prioritize in our child's schedule. So I honestly, at this point, don't see very many exceptions to, at least for younger children, you know, we are not going to do sports on Sunday mornings. It's something that my husband and I have both talked about quite a bit. You know, that's just not something we're going to do. Um, because just be, I realize some people can worship on Saturday nights or Sunday evenings or whatever, but I, I work on Sunday mornings. This is the time that it's going to be happening. And it's a conversation that we as parents are having of like, well, what is our expectation for our family? If we can, if my husband is not working, we're going to be in church together. If we can, you know, obviously things, things come up, people get sick, whatever. But by and large, like we have our schedule set up so that we can. It's, it's not a question, oh, it's Sunday morning, what should I do? It's a, well, of course, what we do on Sunday Correct. morning is church. Correct. And we made similar yeah. choices for, for our kids. And, and probably when they were younger, though. When they were yeah. younger, yes. And um, But but even as they got a little older, you know, we we continued to really encourage participation in church. We knew there was a point where they had to begin making that a conscious choice for themselves. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if their soccer team played on a Sunday morning, the coach knew before that Sunday morning even oh, came yeah. that, that, you know, that's not an option for our kids. Mm-hmm. because Yeah, to me, it seems like that's something that even goes into the setup of 
whatever sports are happening. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, or, and, or music and, lessons or whatever else. Can correct. Happen on and Sunday and morning. and it's it that gets tougher in oh, a yeah. world where mm-hmm. you know fewer and fewer people are engaged in organized religion of any kind, mm-hmm. let alone the yeah. kind of the the lock that. But you got to advocate for Protestant the, you know, Christianity. The, the Jewish kids had and the Protestant. On, yeah, you the, do. The Christian kids, you like. Do. Um, you know. So, so those choices are are always there, and and our desire was to raise our children in faith, and mm-hmm. and and try yeah. even even where there were bumps and and some negatives to to give them a, a faith context about mm-hmm. life, and, and we hope we've done that well. But but ultimately, it's about that's God's doing, and yeah. and we can yeah. Yeah. and also their choice because that's ultimately right. their choice, also. Right. And that's yeah. what we have tried to raise them. Mm-hmm. You know, Raise them to know how to think critically, to advocate for themselves, and and to make those kind of choices. And it's fascinating; they're all they're kind of all over the place on those choices as adults. It'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what choices they make as they become parents mm-hmm. related to yeah. their children. Yeah. So we're talking about like these expectations and like our own expectations and church expectations. I think we should talk specifically about the pressure that gets put on children. And also the pluses for children. And then we can talk about that with spouses also. So I think you have some perspective on how you as a father have limited the pressure that happens. Realizing, of course, that some of this is church dependent and some of this is generationally dependent. But like, how were you able to limit some of the pressure on your children? Or were you? <laughs> I, I, you know, what did I, you learn from this? I, I, what I learned is that I really can't. In, in my experience, those who want to practice poor boundaries, church members who want to practice poor boundaries, or, or who don't care about other people, particularly children, do whatever the heck they want. And, and they don't take care of children well. Um, I went to a large church in Kansas City years ago on a, what we called a co-pastor handoff. There was no interim hmm. process. Yeah. And I, we worked together a little bit. The other pastor retired. I took over as head of staff. And what I found four years into it was I'd been doing interim work the whole time because you can't skip interim work. It's going to have to happen. And if you want to do interim work well, you can't then succeed and be the next pastor. Those two are just mutually exclusive. And as it became clear that I was just doing interim work and this wasn't going anywhere, there was also a group in the congregation, that the same group that called me there that was rising up to say, oh, we got to get rid of him. Um, And we were moving towards that direction. And the, the annual youth mission trip came up. And this group, this anti-Bill group, I'll call them, um, were, were also many of the adult leaders on the mission trip. And so I went mm, to them yeah. ahead of the trip and said, my two oldest are going to be on this trip. I need it to be a positive experience for them. I don't need you all you know, saying things, doing things around them that are, are going to impact the trip in negative ways just because you've got issues with me. And, oh, no, no, we won't do that. We promise. You have our word. I mean, those that was the language that was used. And then uh, a couple of weeks after the trip, the boys told me about, uh, well, we were going someplace one day together and walked in on a meeting uh, as they were talking about how, how they were going to organize to get rid of you and and the things they were going to do. And, and I can't tell you, I mean, it just it tore me up in so many different directions. I was angry with those people. I was angry with myself uh, that that even attempting to uh, protect my boys, I couldn't protect them any more than that. Um, it really yeah. sucked. Yeah, it really sucked. Yeah, a similar 
issue. In, in uh, another church I was serving, our, our, our youngest is, was a percussionist drummer, and this church had a praise band and needed a drummer. And awesome. so at, at, well, you would think it would be awesome. Yeah, you'd think. At 15, 16, he's, he's getting a lot of good weekly music experience yeah. Uh, yeah. Playing, playing the service on Sunday mornings. And, and he was a developing drummer. He wasn't, you know, it wasn't like he'd been doing this for uh, 20 years. And, and there were places where he, he had to struggle to learn, you know, how to to, to play praise music, which was new to him, but but he worked at it pretty hard. Um, there was a singer in the band, and uh, who was also a leader in the church, and and she had some bones to pick with me on certain things. We just saw, uh, we didn't see eye to eye on a couple areas, but what we discovered is that she started playing out the conflict between she and I, between my son. On uh, at praise oh. band practice on Sunday morning, she was triangling cool. her cool. crap with me through him, uh-huh. and we really had to sit on that. And um, and and it was a lot of tough conversations with my youngest to explain why people do that because he 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 still had that kind of innocent uh, perspective yeah. that people are mostly good, and it was a tough tough lesson. Yeah, and, and hated that. I mean, I don't want to sound all Pollyanna here, but like on one hand, though, it's like well. How wonderful, though, for a kid to be learning about that in the context of a safe family environment and not like, oh, now I'm 22 and having to figure this out in my work environment and I, I can't have those conversations. It really sucks, though, that that's like in but, your own but job in a, in and a, in your in own a, church. But in a, in a place where we're saying the church is all about love and caring for mm. people and, and, and what they consistently ran into was that that's not what it's about. Oh, no. Church is the best and it's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Any positives? Yeah, yeah. There, there are some positives that yeah, I would like so to, what, what are the to positives talk about. That we have? Um, it's a story of, of our, our middle son. He is now a book conservator in college, undergraduate. He was working in a uh, book conservation lab, uh, learning the rudimentaries of what was to become his craft. And the two conservators who ran the lab one day were just really upset. They, you know, and, and not, and he was trying to figure out why they were upset. And they said, we have to host a reception for donors and, and not only give them a program on, uh, what we do here, but then provide some food. And Noah says, well, how many people is it for? And they said 30, you know, like that was just oh, a no. huge number. And he goes, that's all? And, 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 Sounds like we, a pastor's kid. Because of the previous church where we'd had open houses for uh, the congregation during yeah. Advent and, and could mm-hmm. have 70 or 80 or 100 people through the house, um, he did a lot of work, particularly oh, yeah. with his mom, to, to prepare houses. for this. And so 30 and a program was nothing. And he organized it all and 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 got the food. And, and, and it got just, all the brownie points. It worked wonderfully. <laughs> and the, the conservators were just amazed oh, yeah. that, that anybody could do that. So, so that, you know... That's a great positive. The other thing my boys will tell me is that they can walk into just about any situation and talk with somebody. And and when I say why, they say, um, well, because we've been expected to talk to adults since we were little, because uh, mm-hmm. adults yeah. always wanted to know what they were, uh, you know, what they were about and who they were. And and the other thing they've said, and, and this is kind of a two-edged sword, they said that moving around um, cause, cause we moved three or four times over the course of their younger lives, taught them how to interact with new people in new situations mm-hmm. and, yeah. and that that's still something that they utilize today. Yeah. 
So, so you know, the moving around wasn't my ideal. It's what happened. They found a way to find some positives in that. You know, I think that that is a positive, a similar positive for my husband because he is frequently not in church. You know, again, he he works often on Sundays. And I think that it's um, a nice connection for him when he is at the church where I work or churches in the past where I've worked because people already know who he is. And so even if he's there infrequently, people are still like, oh, hey, I know you. I'm connected to you. And right into conversation. Whereas I think if he were just a random person who showed up every three months, it would be like, oh, we don't even know who this person is. And it's it's just a nice a nice bonus for him to be, have a built-in, people know who he is, they want to talk with him, they want to try to get him into the choir. Um, and he's like, no, sorry, I work. Uh, <laughs> he's got a great voice. <laughs> a great voice. And he is a tenor. I've, I've I mean, a, there's not many tenors around there. a small there. root of bitterness springing up that I have lost one of the best tenors from my choir. <laughs> sadly, sadly. <laughs> Uh. Yes, we miss him. Uh, As I was feeling called into ministry, and and in Presbyterian circles, you spend a lot of time talking about how did you feel God calling you into ministry? And we all kind of have our our call story. So go back to our very first episode, because this is the called Called, podcast. That's right. We talk about calling. And as, as I was walking down that path of feeling called, one of the big hangups for me was, well, what if I have a family? What if, what if I get married? What if we have children? Um, and I wasn't, because I wasn't sure I wanted to expose them to that. And, and, and part of my struggle with all this is, well, I feel called to ministry, still feel that call, despite some reasons I think I shouldn't. I also feel called to be a husband to my wife and called to be a parent to my children and, uh, and take those calls just as seriously and, and trying to, to balance out those calls or to, um, find some way that these calls can work together. Um, it's always a struggle. I've never found that sweet spot, but what I've detest may be too strong a word, but, but what I just, ache about is the fact that the call to serve the church impinges so deeply and and painfully on the call to be a spouse and be a parent. And I, I mourn that. And, and I think it's the, the church's loss for not paying better attention to these relational dynamics and for not practicing better boundaries and not even being interested in this conversation. I think this is also one of the positive changes in the church over the years. Not a completely fixed problem, but something where I think so many pastor's kids have grown up to be pastors themselves and are like, I'm not doing that childhood to my kid again. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's been a lot of generational change in expectations. Maybe one of the positives is also one of the um one of the changes is also that as our churches uh, are typically shrinking and have less children there, Noisy children are often very welcome just because, <laughs> oh my goodness, it's a child. We are so glad. Oh, would you like some Cheerios? We're so happy that you're here. What can we, what can we possibly do to keep this child here? And it's, it's, and some of it is also just people are not so worried about noisy children in general anymore. I, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. I still have concerns when it comes to the children of a pastor. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, and I, I realize that's not what I experienced. feel yeah. some ownership. That, that if, well, if they get ownership, then it's, then, then it's our, in our, within our ability to criticize or, or mm, yep, no. to try and parent or to work out our crap with your parent, your pastor parent through you. Nope. Um, nope, nope, nope. And, and that I don't think, I haven't seen that die yet. Uh, I hope it can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's, let's keep taking but, step, but, steps, but tor- a, steps toward death. Like I said, <laughs> I have a rather dark view 
oh. uh, on this, uh, and and that saddens me because I became a pastor because of the the great love and nurturing and support I felt within a specific church community, and and I just ache that um, as as much as I feel my wife and I tried to provide that same kind of place for our children, it was denied at some level because of my role in that community. Yeah, that's a hard thing. It is. It is. It's it's my it's 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 guilt I bear in 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 my uh, attempt to be a parent. So our read of the week is a short one. It's a blog post by Lydia Sun. She is a Methodist pastor and an excellent writer. And the the post is called "It Was a Tough Week," and I'll have a link to it in our show notes at calledpodcast.com. And in this post, she talks about how it was a tough week and she was struggling, and just in a bad mood, not doing well, feeling overwhelmed. And what resonated with me was her point that oftentimes we who are leading people in spiritual practices, we often forget to actually practice <laughs> those practices that we're, that we're I don't teaching. know what you mean. Right? Um, it's like it's like a you know a therapist that has all the tools and yet is still a person. Physician heal myself? Yeah. Yeah, yeah right? Yeah. Um, I, I see how doctors eat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, you know, she, so she talked about engaging in, um, in meditation and how important that was for her and her experience of God, in, God with her in her life. And it was a kind of a little conviction for me of like, oh, yeah, these, these practices that I'm getting ready to teach about in our uh, in our midweek uh, meeting. You know, we're talking about spiritual practices at the church where Bill and I work. And I'm going to teach on this. Well, how am I actually practicing this in, in my own life? And uh, what what can I do to um, make my life spiritual, to, to be spiritual in my life and not just think, oh, well, I know all the things, so therefore I don't need to do them. That's it for this week's installment of Called. Look for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. You can find show notes at calledpodcast.com. All those words run together. And at calledpodcast.com, you can also see uh, the resources that I produce for church leaders and sign up for my weekly newsletter for church staff. And if you're enjoying this show, please share it with your ministry friends and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the best way for folks to find the show. I'm Bill Smoots. And I'm Sarah Bariza. Until next time, cut out the BS and embrace the good.